0: Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together this evening. And we pray that as we look into your word, as we move forward into our service, you'll speak to our hearts, God, and give us uh, ears to hear and feet and hands to obey, God, whatever it is that you would have us to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Reggie. and uh, Well, not choir, but... Everybody tonight for doing a great job uh, in, our, in our music. You know, the, the, the phrase to stand strong is a, is a great phrase. And we like the concept of standing strong. We talk about the government, the government standing strong against oppressors, against enemies, against uh, the bad guys. We like that concept. We like the concept when the police or whoever's protecting us stands strong and endures and is uh, is there for us. It's a little more difficult when you're told to stand strong, isn't it? It's a little harder when the idea of having a backbone and having courage is thrown into your hand, and God says this is also for you, not just for those guys who fought at the Alamo in 1836. Well, tonight in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews 10, We're going to look at standing strong. And here's our first thought this evening that God tells us in this passage, Hebrews 10. We're going to start in verse 32. He tells us to stand strong for Christ even when you're persecuted. Stand strong for Christ even when you are attacked for living for Christ. Let's read verse 32 through 36 to start. Remember those early days after you received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and to persecution. At other times, you stood side by side by those who were treated that way. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that your, you yourselves had better and lasting possession. Verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We don't know exactly what the author was referring to here. We know that Judaism was persecuted in the Roman Empire, but it was a legal religion at this time while Christianity was not Christianity was still considered kind of a cult or a fringe group uh, when the New Testament was developing. It's possible that he's referring back to A.D. 49, 15, 16 years after Christ's resurrection, when the Emperor Claudius of, uh, of Rome persecuted the Jewish people and ran them out of Rome, which he would have certainly done the Christians at that time. But let's walk through some of the, the words in this passage are very powerful. Verse 32, remember those days... Early days, after you received the light, after you had been awakened to Christ, illuminated to Jesus is what he's saying. When you stood your ground in a great contest. The word contest there is an athletic word. In fact, from that phrase or that word contest is where we get our English word athletics. And it's the picture of the public games. Now, folks, we are a very athletic society, aren't we? I don't mean we look like it. I mean, we like it though, don't we? I mean, we are dominated by athletics and the Roman world was too. And, and so it's almost the picture here of, the, of a great struggle. If you've been an athlete, when you were in the middle of a game, a contest, or certainly you've watched it where people were, were sweaty, they were bloody, it was tough, it was dangerous... Uh, That's what he's talking about. These people had suffered almost like an athlete enduring a a, a physical contest. Then he goes on in verse 33, and he says, Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult. This phrase, publicly exposed, this Greek phrase, publicly exposed, is where we get our English word theater from. Isn't that interesting? I like what the King James uses here. It says that you became a gazing stock. Men don't ever go home and tell your wife. You were a gazing stock today. That wouldn't be good, would it? But you get the picture of he's saying, hey, you guys have struggled. You have been persecuted like an athlete in the middle of a hard, difficult contest. And in fact, part of that persecution is that you were, it was like you were brought on stage in the theater and you were humiliated and you were embarrassed and for the name of Jesus Christ kind of sad, isn't it? kind of tough, too, when you hear that. As some people think maybe he's talking about that some of these Christians had been actually in the Roman Colosseum. Uh, that's kind of debatable because most of the time when you went in the Colosseum, you came out in a pine box. You didn't make it out to be encouraged about standing strong later, so we don't know for sure. In verse 34, you sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. One of the things that happened in A.D. 49 is that the Jewish people, and certainly the Christians, were, were removed from their homes. We don't know if this was an official government thing or this was just public rights. But basically what happened, because they were followers of Jesus Christ, people came into their homes and they took their stuff. And they pushed them out of their homes. Well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be neat? That's the background that he's writing in, and that's the people he is talking to originally. These people, because they had followed Jesus Christ, had taken it on the chin a lot. Let me give you some not-so-good news, but living for Christ is still going to cost you. How many of you believe that? It really is. Um, I believe that with all my heart. We're going to see in a minute how it may and how it is certain people in the world how it is here in America today. I, I read several statistics this week that were pretty mind-blowing. In fact, after the, my study for this sermon, I really felt sorry for us as Christians. Uh, it, it's, we are so insulated and isolated in America that we don't really realize what's going on around the world for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Catholic News Service put out a report in the uh, end of May that said this annually about a hundred thousand Christians are killed because they're Christians. Do you get that? Uh, Rustin times five are killed because they're Christians. They also estimate they estimate in their polls that about 200 million. 200 million people because they're Christians are denied basic human rights in our world today. And here's what else the Catholic News Service out of Rome said was that they are concerned about places like America where intolerance is growing every more uh, every day for Christians. In fact, in America, in the new, the new wave of persecution, if you're not tolerant, people are going to be intolerant towards you. You know what I'm saying? Political correctness is ruling the day. Never, never because you and I aren't getting beat up and getting kicked forget that it's happening all over the world, though. We'll get back to us in just a second. In Egypt, in March, there was a man who was a Christian who was riding through a community. He was stopped by some people who thought, he thought they were police. After they stopped him, he realized they were uh, radical Muslims. When they realized he was a Christian, they pulled him out of the car. They took him to their mosque where they tortured him for hours, broke his legs, broke his arms, and then they let him free. A few weeks later, in Egypt, a Christian funeral was happening in the cathedral radical Muslims threw Molotov cocktails, that's basically a firebomb, into, into the worship service where several people were killed and many people were injured, all for the crime of saying that they followed Jesus Christ. So don't forget, this isn't just Bible time tells. This is today. This is the real world. People are being persecuted for following Jesus Christ. In fact, Christians are the most persecuted group of any group in the world. When was the last time you heard that? <laughs> Christians are the most persecuted group of any group in the world. Now, again, I, th- I think here's what you and I see is that we don't see that. So I hope you will take what I'm saying as truth because what our my sources, you can look them up for yourself. But what I'm saying is true. But persecution still happens even in America. Again, I think it's, unless there's a revival, I think that persecution, physical persecution of Christians is in our future. Jesus doesn't come back if there's not a revival. America is going to go so far down the drain that being a Christian will cost you dearly. But it still costs us today too, doesn't it? You know, the interesting thing, when Jesus in his day... The people who were persecuting him and his fathers originally were not the Roman people. It was the religious people. And then it became the government after that. You know, in America, people who love Jesus Christ and stand up for Jesus, thank God, we have not to this point been attacked by the government. We haven't been attacked too often by outside groups. It has happened, certainly, and it will happen more. But you know who persecutes Christians more than anybody else in the world in America today? It's other religious people. I want to talk a little bit about the persecution you receive and I receive for being a Christian. You know, I've never had a brick thrown at my head for preaching about Jesus. And you know what? I'm glad. I think that'll happen. It'll probably happen to the point where I won't be able to duck and I'll just catch it on the kisser. But it'll happen. But, you know, people still persecute believers today. I wonder how many of you have ever felt persecuted because you took a strong stand for Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being obnoxious for God or, or touting your opinions where people didn't like you. I'm talking about because you loved Jesus, you stood up for what was right, You're persecuted. You know, the persecution most of us receive in America is verbal persecution, isn't it? It's slander. It's gossip. It's questioning your motives. It's undermining you. And, you know, I know it's... Listen, I'm not comparing being gossiped about or slandered to being put on the rack and and having your body stretched for three hours. But mother lied to me... I hope she's not watching on the Internet tonight... When Mama said sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you, that's not true. Young people, I'm sorry if your Mama told you that; she didn't tell you the truth. She's just trying to protect you as a child. Proverbs eighteen, Proverbs eighteen, verse twenty one, coming on the screen. It's supposed to, but here's what it says. It says basically, I'm paraphrasing: the tongue has the power of life and death in it. Did you know that? The tongue has the power of life and death. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 and 12, Matthew 5, 11 and 12 says, Blessed are you when people insult you. Now, why did Jesus have to say that? Why couldn't he say blessed are you when you get old and lose your hair? Wouldn't that be better? Blessed are you when your metabolism slows down and you just have a harder time getting weight off. No, he said blessed are when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you. Why? Now look at that. Why? Because of me. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. We'll look more at that verse in a moment. Folks, what I found out in America as I looked at this this week is that Really, the persecution that you and I experience, if you've ever experienced it, many of you have, is is it's the the same kind Jesus got on the front end. It's from religious people. They like to put you on the stage. They want to expose you. They want to challenge your motives and your heart. Young people, they want to call you phony. They want to say you're insincere. And again, that doesn't hurt as bad as a brick to the head, but you know what? You minimize gossip and slander when it's not happening to you. Amen? Amen? You do. Why, your pain doesn't hurt me that much at all. But when it's my pain, it hurts me a whole lot. I want to tell you the truth. Living for Christ, you're still going to be persecuted. It's going to happen just depends on how it's going to happen. Here's what Jesus says. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. In verse 35 and 36, it says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Verse 35, when it says... Do not throw away your confidence. That's your boldness and your openness. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you decide, even in Rustin, you're going to love Jesus. You're going to stand up for what's right. You're going to know the Bible. You're going to live the Bible out. Even in Rustin, people are going to lie about you. They're going to question your motives. They're going to say things about you. They're going to try to expose you in front of other people to make you look bad. Someday, even in America, people may be throwing bricks at your head. And taking you to jail because you follow Jesus Christ. But here's what he tells us. He says, let your boldness, your confidence, your openness continue. In other words, love God and love people loudly and proudly. Y'all are really quiet tonight. You're going to be persecuted. I wish Jesus would have said, find you a nice place in Antarctica Make sure it has a heater and enjoy the rest of your life. But he says, no, dig in and love loudly. Stand strong even when you're persecuted. Here's the second thing he says that I think is very important. Stand strong with those who are being persecuted. When people around you are getting kicked, you stand up for them. Verse 33 Sometimes you were publicly exposed. You were put put on stage to insult and persecution. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Side by side literally means you were a companion with them. Verse 34, you sympathized with those in prison. Prisons in Jesus' day and Paul's day were Terrible. Not that prison is a nice place to be this evening, but they were really bad then. And, and to a large extent, a, a convict, an inmate, was dependent on other people for, for almost their, their basic necessities. I mean, the, the prison might give them a little food and a little water. And so it was people like you and me who would go to the jail to meet their needs and take care of them. The only problem was when you went to the jail and you identify yourself with Andy Johnson, the preacher... You get identified with Andy Johnson, the preacher. You get identified with the criminal that you're going to go see. So, in other words, going to the jailhouse was dangerous. And here's what he said. He said, man, you were there for these people. When other people were persecuted, you didn't hide. You didn't dig a hole. You didn't say, we've been there. It's their time now. (laughs) We'll stand back. In fact, I've been praying that will happen to some of them. Amen. Amen. He said, no, you were a companion with them. You know, someday, again, in our country, you may be sent to jail for preaching Jesus Christ. It may happen. I really believe in the next 10 years, without revival in our country, certain things in the Bible are going to be challenged at the highest level in our country that if we say these things, it will be considered hate speech. You ready to come see me in jail? Because I promise you I'm going to say what the book says. I'm going to say it and you better come see me and I want a lot of sweets because I won't be getting that. You know, I want cakes, candies, things like that. (laughs) You You ready to go to court and defend your Sunday school teacher because somebody told the police that the president or the Supreme Court was wrong on their position and that's against the law in America in 10 years? You ready to go support them in court? I hope so. But let's, let's backtrack to today. It's easy. It's easy to say, well, if they're fixing to hang Dorman, I'll go and tie his shoes for him while he's up there on the hangman's thing. Because that's not reality, is it? Am I willing to stand up for Dorman when someone's criticizing him in the parking lot tonight? We're talking more spiritual. Persecution criticism here. It could be broader than that. Will you stand up? Literally what he's saying. Will you stand up and support your brothers when other people, religious people probably more in America, are criticizing them, exposing them, putting them on stage, embarrassing them, Are you willing to stand up and say, stop that, you're wrong, quit that, that's not right. Friend, if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to go see them in jail. If you're not willing to stand up, God forbid, in the hallway of the church and say, don't talk about the deacons like that. You're not going to stand up when they got them at the courthouse someday. It starts right here, right now. I'm going to share with you a few Martin Luther King Jr. quotes this evening. Martin Luther King says, In the end, we don't remember the wounds of our enemies, but we remember the silence of our friends. Pretty powerful. He also said there's a time when silence is betrayal. Well, I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah, because there's a yellow streak on your back. Oh, I didn't want to get involved. Well, the next time when you're in front of the firing squad, somebody may just say, Go ahead and shoot him. I won't interfere. I don't know who said this, but it's so true. There's an absolute point in your life and my life when an animal or a person is being abused, we need to get involved. That's what he's saying here. He's saying if you're a Christian and other Christians are being gossiped about, motives checked, hearts condemned. They're being put on the stage. Somebody needs to step up and have the courage and say, stop it. Stop it. I would tell you this. This is what I believe. When it comes to protecting other people, err on the side of overdoing it. Err on the side of, of overdoing it. Don't err on the side of caution. You may err on the side of caution as far as protecting and defending yourself, but don't err on the side of caution, defending others. He says, "Stand strong with those who are persecuted. Here's the third thing he says: Our faith is proved true by persecution. Isn't that an ugly thing? Our faith is, is, is true, proved true, excuse me, by our perseverance. It's our perseverance in the tough times that proves you're really a believer in Christ. Look in verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence, your boldness, your openness. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 37 through 39. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him but we are not those who shrink back, look at this, and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. this is very important. You've been in church much. You've heard this. You're not saved by your good works, but your good works prove you're saved, right? That's biblical. You're not saved by endurance and perseverance. Your endurance and perseverance prove that you're saved. Here's what God's saying. At some point in your life, Following Christ will cost you. In America, it doesn't cost us a lot, not physically. I mean, you can get embarrassed, you can get humiliated, those things, which are terrible and they're not fun. Even then when that happens, sometimes you go, you know, why am I doing this? Wouldn't it just be easier to walk away and to watch TV all day on Sunday? But God says, no, you hang in there. Listen, he was talking to people whose lives were in danger. He was talking to people who would had their stuff stolen. And he's telling them, here's one way you know you're going to heaven someday. It's when the heat's on, do you stay in the kitchen? Here's here's one more Martin Luther King Jr. quote. He said, "Uh, the test of a man is not where he stands in comfort and ease. The test of a man is where he stands when there's conflict. Isn't that great? Folks, anybody can stand strong with donuts and ice cream around them. But how do you stand when the heat's on? God says one way, one proof that you're going to heaven someday is that you and I persevere and we endure to the end. Here's the last thing he says. Favorite part of the sermon, isn't it, when you hear that? Our standing strong will pay off. Why do we have to endure? And is it worth it? Verse 33, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult, persecution. Other times you stood by those who were being treated so bad. You stood strong for yourself and stood strong for others. Look in verse 34 through 36. You sympathized with those in prison. Your property was confiscated. Listen, because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly. Listen, that means greatly, exceedingly rewarded if you stay true. Verse 36, "You need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Here's what God's saying. He's telling those people who were getting literally their teeth kicked in, and he's telling us sometimes to get our hearts stomped on. He's saying, you, you hang in there, you hang in there. Because I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna honor you. They take all your stuff here. You can't believe what your room looks like in heaven. Can men, can you imagine what our man cave in heaven's gonna look like? And your wife won't even have a key to it. Isn't that cool? Let me in. No, this is heaven. I don't have to let you in. God says, stay true. Stay true. It's worth it here and it's going to be worth it there. Let's go back to that Matthew 5, 12 and 13 passage. When Jesus says, blessed are you, extremely blessed is what that means. When people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Look in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. By the way, this is the same thing they've been doing to people who followed me for many 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 years you see God says I want you to stay true I want you to stay true and a hundred years from now I guarantee you, you'll you believe that it's worth it there's a group called the Open Doors Ministry Open Doors Ministry studies martyrdom and persecution of Christians throughout the world they believe that that not only are 200 million Christians basically denied uh, fundamental human rights in our world today, but 100 million Christians are actively persecuted in our world today. If you took 100 people in our world today, this is an average, they said, that are killed for some kind of religious or political stance, 75 out of 100 are because they're Christians. The most persecuted group in the world today are followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what God says. It's worth it. You stay the course. They can take away all your stuff here. They can't take away me, is what Jesus is saying. And I promise you, the day you walk into heaven, you'll realize it's worth it. Folks, if we could talk to today, if we could talk to some of those people who died for following Jesus, I promise you, every one of them would say, stay true. You can't believe what's waiting for you on the other side. This evening, here's my challenge, a couple of challenges. One, you want to join our church. You're not a member. We would love for you to. You can come in a moment down the aisle. We'll help you do that. You can join us this evening. Maybe you're here tonight as a Christian. Maybe you're one of two things. Maybe maybe you're getting some persecution right now. I want to challenge and encourage you. Stay strong. Come talk to me. Come talk to one of your ministers. Let us love on you. Let us help you. Stay strong. Here's the second thing. Some of you are Christians. You're not catching any flack. You know why? Because you're not living very loud. You got your light under a bushel. You're sneaking around for Jesus. Let it go, friend. Let the world know you're following Jesus. You'll catch some flack, but that's probably proof that you're really living for Jesus. Christian, where you're standing or at the altar, make a fresh commitment to Christ. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, in just a moment when we give the invitation, would you come and give your life to Christ? Let's stand. and Wade's going to lead us in a song. As we sing, we challenge you to respond.